So I was talking to Paul and Claire before the service, and I was telling them how, like, around 8, 9 o'clock at night, I just love to go out and get a burger and french fries and a Coke. And I said, I'm really struggling with this. And I said, do you mind if I hold you as accountability partners and call you up? And they both said, no, we don't mind at all. Matter of fact, we'll take a ride with you. <laughs> if you open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. Where do you go for refreshment? I know if you're like me, after service, you like to stop at a 7-Eleven or a Wawa or a Quick Check and get some munchies. Or maybe if you're tired or when you wake up in the morning you're a little chilly, you'd like to jump in the shower for refreshment. How many of us look for refreshment in all the wrong places? The title of tonight's message is Heaven Eleven. Heaven Eleven. Yeah? Awesome. That is awesome. So in 2011, we're a little bit closer to heaven than we were in 2010. And we know there's always the resolutions that people make during the last few days of the old year. But I, I don't know... If you're like me, some of the resolutions we made over the years, how many of those have we actually kept? And they always talk about, you know, the intentions are good, but when you actually come down to the nitty-gritty, by the time 2011 ends, you probably forgot about the resolutions that you made. Well, we're going to look at First Peter and see what the Lord wants to give us to bring into the new year. And one of the things is just the setting. Peter is writing this letter to the Jewish believers. And at the time, in Israel, in this area, the leader of this, the world at the time, is Nero. And he's a wacko. You know the fires that he set in the area? And how he blamed the Christians and persecutions broke out? And one of the things that it did do is the Jewish people started traveling and living all over the area. Matter of fact, this particular letter written to the Jewish Christians is to a lot of the Jewish Christians who moved into the area of Turkey. So let's jump in and see how it applies to you and to me. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. There are no more apostles today. But, you know, as the commission in the end of Matthew says, is we're to go into the whole world and preach the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and making disciples of all the nations. So one of the things that you and I are called to do is to be disciplined followers, disciplined learners of Jesus Christ. So we could put our name right in there, Vinny, a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And elsewhere in scriptures it goes, who's going to go? And the answer was, Lord, send me. Send me out there. 
I want to be one of those people that you use in this world. To the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Do you know that you and I are the elect? When we were called to believe in Jesus Christ and receive his sacrifice for our sin on the cross and believe in his resurrection, we became the elect, called, separated unto God. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, how cool is that? That he knew before the foundation of the world that you and I would be sitting here tonight, that you and I would have the families that we have, that you and I would be the ones who are following him. That's pretty awesome. Before we were even born, he knew that. And that was part of his plan. And notice here it goes on, in sanctification of the Spirit, where we're set apart by God. And notice it's, it's he that's doing the work. He's the one that's enabling us to understand his word. He's the one that's enabling us to see what he wants us to see today and what to do tomorrow as we walk with him. For obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, the high priest, when he used to go into the Holy of Holies, he used to sprinkle blood seven times on the Ark of the Covenant for his sins and the sins of the nation. Now, of course, that doesn't have to be done anymore because Jesus sacrificed himself once and for all for the sins of the whole world. And of all the people in the world, you and I are the ones that are called the elect, set apart, because we've received him into our hearts. We're covered in his blood that he shed for all of us. And we have the opportunity to be his ambassadors, his messengers, to a world that's hopeless. How many of the people living today have made those New Year's resolutions year in and year out, only to see one week, two weeks into the new year, it's blown. And they have to wait a whole other year to try to do it all over again. They're looking for hope but they're looking in all the wrong places. But yet there's people in the world, you and I, and others who are called believers, who have a message that we can bring to them. And one of the prayers, one of my prayers, is that this coming year we'll have even greater opportunities to bring Jesus into the lives of people who right now are hopeless. You know, they say that during this time of the year there's so many suicides. So many lonely people, they're without hope. But we have a hope, don't we, that we can give them. Let's hope that this year that Jesus uses more than ever before, than we've ever been used before, to bring that hope to the hopeless. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Just sitting here today or just being able to pray or to to read our Bibles is just more evidence of God's grace to us. God's riches at Christ's expense. He died so that we could live. 
He set a life example that we can follow. He's always pouring out His grace on us. Just us here today being able to hear His Word and read it. It's just evidence of His grace. And that peace that passes all understanding. We were at once at war with Jesus. But now we are His sons, His daughters. Because of what He did on the cross. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope that's not in any philosophy. It's not in any gimmick or pattern of, of lifestyle. We have a living hope in a risen Savior that we can cling to that we know that if we were to stop breathing today, we would be in His presence. We see throughout all of Scripture the evidence of His magnificence, His life, His death, and His resurrection. It's through all the pages of Scripture. Even here, just in the verse before this, look, we see the Trinity just again, where people said, oh, the Trinity's never mentioned in the Scriptures. Well, verse 2 shows the Father shows the Holy Spirit, and shows the Son. We have proof right here. We have historical proof. We have prophetic proof. We have the evidence that the world does not have. The blind faith that they, they live by that causes the hopelessness that they're in. You and I are the lights because we have the living light, Jesus, living in us. We shine in a dark world because of Him. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. How cool is that? We have a reservation in heaven. We have a hope that is incorruptible. We have an inheritance that can never fade away. For those of you who have younger children, or those of you who have older children, when they were younger, remember had their excitement on Christmas morning when they opened up their gifts and how they couldn't wait for that special toy. How long did that excitement last? How long before that toy was just discarded and they wanted something else? Well, we have an incorruptible inheritance that will just keep getting better and better each day. First thousand years, I love one person, teacher that I heard said, the first thousand years in heaven, we'll just be going, wow, wow. We don't have any clue, do we? What we're going to see, what we're going to hear, what we're going to experience. But how sweet it is when we get glimpses while we're on this earth of the things of heaven. Right? Just those, that keeps us going, right? It just keeps us going. And it's so beautiful. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God. Isn't that cool? That we are kept by the power of God. That we don't have to depend on a ritual. That we don't have to depend on any kind of strategy or methods. That we are kept by the power of God. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Not us. 
He's the one that will bring it to completion. That's so comforting to know that. That we are of a faith, not of works, but it's a gift that God has given us. And it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, He is the reason for the season. He is the greatest gift. He's awesome. That's so great. Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It might have been a Pastor Joe or another teacher that I heard at the time, but who are kept by the power of God. One of the uh, meanings of that is under military guard by God. We're kept by the power of God like it's a military guard. Just picture that. That's how relentless God is in His love for you and me. He's always watching. He never sleeps. 24-7, 365, He's there. Watching out. Like that military guard. Alert. Ready to fight for us. Ready to come to our aid. And then, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The other uh, meaning of that word ready is prepared to be re- revealed in the last time. There's a preparation. Things are being set up for that revelation in that last time of all these things that we're reading about. And I guess the thing is, I want to be prepared. I don't know when my last time is. You don't know when your last time is. Yeah, in 2011, we're a step closer to heaven. But will we be in heaven in 2011? Shouldn't we be living like that every day? That we're ready to be there, to meet Jesus face to face. I want to live today as is my last day on this earth. Taking advantage of the time for the people that He brings in my path. Whether to pray for them, whether to witness to them whether to help them in any way, shape, or form that God brings me? Or will I just pass them by? Will I just be going about my business and making it like any other year? Or will 2011 be very special? Verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, so now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. The thing I like about that verse is if you're going through a hard time tonight or maybe next week or you just came through a hard time, whatever it is, remember, nothing comes our way without God allowing it. And He's the potter, we're the clay. We need to be refined. I need to be refined every day. Just have to ask Maria, my wife. You just have to ask her. We're nowhere near where God wants us to be. But let's just pray and hope that at the end of 2011, we're so much further ahead of where we were tonight at the end of 2010. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How genuine is your faith in mine? It's easy when everything's going good, right? But when it's 
under the fire, under the test. That's where we know where we are. That's when we know how mature we are. And much more than the gold that we're going to be walking on in heaven one day is our faith. God is working it and, and molding it to be perfect in His sight. So that one day when we face Him face to face, we'll know Him as He is. And only now we'll just see Him right, we see Him vaguely right through that colored glass. But hopefully, He's becoming clearer and clearer as we mature in our walk with Him. Verse 8, Whom having not seen, you love. That's you and me, everybody. We haven't seen them, but we love them. How much do we love them? Just think how much we love them. Just look at that grace and peace He's given us through the circumstances in our life and how we love them. How we wake up in the middle of the night, night and we just praise Him or thank Him for what we have. Or just thank Him for what He did. Or just He put somebody on our heart and we pray for Him. With greater love, right? That we're always thinking about Him. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. How cool is that going to be when we're in eternity and we know what that fully means, the salvation of our souls? Maybe that's why for that thousand years we just go, wow. You know? Verse 10. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Think of the hundreds of prophecies that talk about the birth, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. The prophets wrote about these things. How fortunate are you and I to be able to look back in history at what took place? That we see the fulfillment of the scriptures. And then to see the future prophecies, knowing that they're going to come true. Because all 80, 85, 90% of what's already taken place has been 100% accurate. You think God's going to pull out now? You think God's going to lie to us now? He's proven himself throughout history. And we're almost home. Right? We're almost home. We can see that light. May he just fire us up even more to bring others with us as we get closer and closer to seeing him. Verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Isn't it interesting that through the sufferings of Christ came his glory? Can't we also relate to that? That through the tough times, the things that we have to suffer through, we've actually grown closer to Jesus Christ. That nothing comes upon us or in our life without God allowing it. 
because He loves us so much, because He cares for us so much. Just starting to read Job through my uh, readings through the Scriptures, yearly readings. And just look at Job. Look at all the things that he suffered through, but how, at the end, it was glory. Who would have thought that glory could come from so much suffering? Verse 12, To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. People who wrote the scriptures, prophets who predicted things, they too received the grace of God. They realized that they were ministering to people that they would never meet until they saw them face to face in heaven. How about you and me? Are we praying? Are we ministering to those who we don't know through prayer or intercession? Are we ministering to the strangers in the street if we get an opportunity? Maybe where we would never see them again. But that could be the very thing that brings them into the presence of Jesus Christ. Remember, we're here at such a time as this. God wants to use every single one of us to minister to other people. And notice they preach the gospel to us how? By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The same Holy Spirit that's present here tonight. The same Holy Spirit that resides in you resided upon them or in them. And it was, God was sent from heaven. The Holy Spirit was sent from heaven. You didn't have to go to 7-Eleven, a quick check, or Wawa. Direct delivery. Right from heaven. Right to you. Directly to you. To refresh you. To give you purpose and meaning and a hope. Verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Remember the robes that they had? Remember they used to tie them up if they had to get going fast? Well, we're told here by the Holy Spirit, gird up the loins of your mind. Be ready. Let's go. There's a battle to be won. There's souls to be saved. You have all the equipment you need. Regardless of the struggle that you're going through. Remember this letter that Peter wrote was to all those Jews that were dispersed because of persecution. We don't know what's coming in 2011 with the political structure of our country. We don't know what's coming. But hey, we can say like all the apostles and disciples, bring it on. Bring it on. Because it's just going to fan the flame brighter. More people are going to come into the kingdom as a result of the darkness that they're peddling. Isn't it something about the hate crimes that's 
that to evangelize can actually be considered in some arenas hate crimes? Now remember, if you don't evangelize and you don't share the gospel with other people, people are going to go to hell. That seems like a hate crime to me, allowing people to go to hell. But we're given the Holy Spirit, we're given the boldness, we're given the courage, we're given opportunities to share the good news. Maybe it's a love crime, but it surely isn't a hate crime. To turn somebody around from going to hell and point them in the right direction. So be ready, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. My prayer for you also is that Jesus is revealed more to you in 2011 than we've ever known him before. It doesn't matter who you are. It's everybody here. Everybody that hears this message. It's you. Jesus Christ wants to reveal more of himself to you. Do you have that desire? That you want him to show more of himself to you in 2011. Verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. I hope that you've, in your lifetime, have already read through the scriptures. I know a lot of people, there's reading programs that you can get right here to go on a one-year or two-year reading plan through the scriptures. And by all means, go for that. Do it. One of the things I want to challenge you is to read Romans 12, the whole chapter, every day for the next year. Romans chapter 12. Just read it every day. I don't know what's going to happen. You can tell me at the end of 2011 to see what happens then. But I know as I was preparing today, I came across that and I read it and I said, Wow, Lord, help me to just read this chapter, along with all your word, but to just focus in on chapter 12, where we're set aside, that we are offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy, holy, set apart for you. Because it's our, the only reasonable thing for us to do. There's nothing else that's more important than to set ourselves aside each and every day for the Lord's use. And then to not be conformed to this dark world, to not be molded into its shape, but to be renewed every day with our mind being cleansed by His living Word, by the washing of the water of the Word. Verse 17, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. And that's not a scary fear. That's a loving fear, a healthy respect of our God and Father, who cares and loves us, that is holding our heartbeat in His hands, who's given us 
breath every single day of our lives. That we take it for granted every since we've been sitting here. Our heartbeat. Our breaths. He's allowing that to take place. To just be in a holy reverence of who He is and getting to know Him better. Verse 18, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, this like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct. Think about that, everybody. Before Jesus, our aimless conduct. Talk about missing the mark, huh? We were going nowhere. Fast. We had no purpose, no direction. It was aimless. Received by tradition from your fathers. We were just doing what everybody did. That was just passed from one generation to the next. But then all of a sudden, Jesus said, Stop. Open up your eyes. Look who I am. Pay attention. I got your attention now. I love you. I died for you. I shed my blood for you. I went through torture for you. Before you knew me, I died for you. While you were still sinners, I died for you. When you want to give me the time of day, I died for you. I love you. He didn't say, here's $100, let them into heaven. Here's some gold, let them into heaven. It wouldn't work. A sacrifice of blood had to take place. In verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, the Lamb of God came to shed His blood for you and me, the spotless Lamb, the innocent Lamb. Verse 20, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. He knew when it was in His foreknowledge to create man that we would choose to sin. So we set in motion a plan before He even made us that He would die on our behalf, in our place, so that we would one day be going wow in heaven and falling in love with Him while we are the sojourners, the pilgrims on this earth, not clinging too hard to the things that are here, but just grasp them lightly because our home isn't here. We're heading to our home in heaven. But it was manifest in these last times for you. It was revealed to you and to me. Verse 21, who through him believe in God. Through Jesus, we believe in God. Through Jesus, there's no other way. He's the only way. That's it. There's no other way. He made it simple. But Satan confuses things. Gives us all these different religions and philosophies. And the world is confused. Confusing equals hopelessness. There's no hope where there's no truth. But Jesus said He was the way, the truth, and the life. That no man can come to the Father but by Him. Period. If there was any other way, 
What a terrible thing that God the Father did to His Son Jesus if there was other ways to get us to heaven. But there was only one way. And Jesus died on that cross. And He shed His blood. And He rose from the dead and He's alive. And He's calling out even today to those who are lost. Who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Prayer for you in 2011 is for this agape love to the people here in this church people that God will have you meet outside this church, in your workplace, in your own families. For that unconditional love that He showed when He died on the cross for us while we were still sinners. That we would have that love and see the transformation it will have in the lives of others as we are transformed ourselves by God's Holy Spirit. Verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. The prayer for you also is that you just dive deeper into God's word, that his word, the living word of God, would transform you from the inside out, that you will just be blown away by the opportunities and things it take place in 2011 because you uh, surrendered more of yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we always need to keep this in priority, this next part. Verse 24, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. I'll tell you right now, my flesh is like grass. I can tell you just after shoveling snow. My flesh is bad. It's, it's dying. It's hurting. My joints are aching. You know, I need to take stock in the ibuprofen market. I could be rich today just on the aspirin I've taken over the last couple of days. Isn't it amazing? How we can really understand our frailty through a beautiful thing like the pure white snow. But we can hold on to verse 25. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is a word which by the gospel was preached to you in times past, at the present, and in the future. God and His Word will always be there. They've tried to kill our Lord and Savior. didn't work. They tried to kill the Jewish Christians back in the day of Peter. didn't work. It just spread the gospel. doesn't matter what they try in 2011. It will not work. We'll just see more and more people coming into the kingdom of heaven, and just more and more people to rejoice on the day 
that we see Jesus face to face. So, regardless of what comes in 2011, it'll be a happy new year. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus is our hope. He's our joy. He makes every day new. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you.